0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Kenora Bahal about creating an innovation culture and fostering an innovation mindset within your organization. Kenora Bahal, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thrilled to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have a nice conversation with you today. We're going to be focusing on something that I think is just super important as we move into the future of work, as we come out of this pandemic, and as we really just wrestle with how to best leverage the, the human capital capacity of our people in our teams. We're going to be focusing on how to create an innovative culture and how to foster an innovation mindset within our teams, within our organization. And this is something that uh, you have a lot of experience and expertise in, so I'm super excited to have that conversation. As we get started, I wanted to share Knorr's bio with everybody. Knorr Bahal is a founder and CEO of Mindhatch, a consultancy that helps organizations create the conditions for innovation and creativity to thrive. Through Mindhatch, Knorr delivers her unique mix of expertise in design thinking, organizational improv, innovation, facilitation, and diversity and inclusion. Knorr has helped Deloitte create, prototype, and launch an in-house design thinking consulting arm, be a part of a stealth team of design strategists and researchers guiding numerous teams at Starbucks, trained more than 100 people at Bethpage Federal Credit Union in design thinking, helped the Department of State and the Pentagon use Improv to make more and creative and collaborative thinkers, and has helped the Inter-American Development Bank's Gender and Diversity Division generate and come to a consensus on their strategic vision. Knorr is also the author of I Quit, The Life Affirming Joy of Giving Up, which will be published by New Degree Press, in, uh, or was published, rather, in April of 2021. The book seeks to help readers rethink and reframe quitting by sharing stories from everyday people who summon the courage to quit the things in their lives. Knorr has been an improv comedy performer for over 10 years, is an avid fan of professional tennis, and dotes on her Bernese Mountain Dog. Wonderful. It is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. I'm super thrilled. Uh, before we launch into the conversation, anything else you would like to share with my listeners by way of your background or personal context?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, um, I think I'd like to just, uh, uh, we'll probably talk a lot about transitions today, uh, career transitions and otherwise. And just uh, my, my first career was in uh, nonprofit international development and then I ran into big four consulting where I fell in love with corporate innovation and then uh, I founded my company. And so, um, yeah, so I'm very well versed in what a lot of your staff might be encountering right now, which is the desire to transition uh, and, and the debate whether or not to do it or not.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And maybe let's, let's start there. Um, we'll, we'll get to innovation, uh, culture and mindset here in just a moment. Uh, but let's start with your book and let's start with this idea of quitting things. Now, often in our culture, in Western culture, we talk about quitting as a bad thing. It's a, it's a, sh- a sign of weakness. Um, it's failure. You're, you're giving up. Um, but clearly, you're, you're not framing it that way in your book. So tell yeah. us a little bit more about um, the value of quitting and why that really does take courage when people are trying to rethink their life, their career, and go in a different direction.
1: Yeah, gosh, I mean, I could, I could, I wrote a book about it. So I could go on and on about this. But I think, in a in a nutshell, you know, I, I really um had my own kind of morphing in my own life from being this kind of perfectionist, high achieving, as I later deduced, doing all the right things, but they were the right things that other people thought were right, not me. Um, And so I I lived like most, my first 25 years of life basically doing that, right? And then I entered the workforce and I realized a couple of things like, wow, okay, the workforce is not always a meritocracy. It's not always work hard and then you'll get what you want. Um, And so that really was the beginning of me shedding this perfectionist attitude and really kind of learning what my own values were, right? And taking actions to live my own values. And a lot of times in a career context the way I could live my values was to quit that job right and so um, I had that personal transformation myself in my 20s and and then later on in life I realized I just I loved hearing other people's quitting stories I feel like if you ask someone why they quit something you will learn a lot more about them than if you ask tell me how you succeeded at everything in life you did you know and so I think we learn about trade-offs and values and what we're willing to put up with and what we're not willing to put up with um, that are very important uh, stances. And so I, what I learned for myself and also in interviewing nearly 40 happy quitters for the book um, is that you know quitting is an act of courage because it's an act of upending the status quo that you have inherited, whether it's from society, culture, your family, know what wherever it might have come from it's you kind of defying the status quo um and saying you're not going to believe in these toxic statements like quitters never win you know (laughs) and that sort of thing so um yeah yeah and so i am a big um fan of quitting a quitting evangelist um definitely acknowledge that some forms of quitting require an immense amount of privilege that is not available to everyone and also um have deep empathy for quitting may not always be the right choice for someone, you know, um, sometimes not quitting is the better way to live your values. And that is okay too.
0: Yeah. And I'm, and I'm glad you, you acknowledge the, the privilege that many people do have when they have that opportunity. So many people just work so hard to provide for their families in less than ideal situations, let's just say. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and they really don't have many other options. And so more, I, I just commend those people for just sacrificing so much for their families yeah. um, and for the, the, the loved ones around them, uh, even when you know they might find more fulfillment, more meaning purpose somewhere else. There's no shame in any type of work. All work has value. Um, when possible, yes, we want to align ourselves with work that fits with our core values and principles and our passions and our interests um, so that we can leverage you know, our full energy towards you know, career success and helping those around us. Um, but when that opportunity doesn't exist, let's do what we're doing, wherever we're at, let's do that the best we possibly can. Um, let's make a difference where we can. And and uh, I, I think that's also important, important to acknowledge. So thank you for that. Um, but absolutely, when we have the opportunity uh, I'm a big believer in uh, trying to to create, you know, circumstances by which I can walk away, if and when, I it gets to the point where just something either I'm deeply unfulfilled and it's not a good fit for me, so I want to walk away, or something like is just really uh, mm. unethical that's happening that I just feel like I can't be a part of that. I want to walk away. Like I think I think it's a good thing for us to try to to be in the mindset of, you know, uh, like an organization, they hire me for fit, but I should be working for them for fit as well. Yes. Um, cause that's going to bring more satisfaction, um, more fulfillment, uh, more meaning and purpose in my life. And ultimately it's going to be better for my family. It's going to be better for the organization even because they're going to be better aligned. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I, sometimes my, my friends or colleagues will joke with me. they will be like, why would an organization have you come speak about your book? Like, aren't they gonna be scared that everyone who listens to you is gonna quit their job, you know? <laughs> and so, and so I would say quite the opposite will happen, you know, because I think I, I, I give this like apocryphal example of, you know, we've all we've all been there where we've been in a job or a role and we have that like one really annoying coworker or that one annoying boss, you know. And Sometimes you can just be at your wit's end and be like, oh, I'm going to bag this in. I'm just going to quit. This is awful. I can't deal with it. But I think after someone reads my book and they kind of get the tools to kind of process what they value and what trade-offs they're willing to make, you know, someone might very easily come to the conclusion of like, oh, well, actually this job and this role matches so many of my fundamental values and what I want out of life that I'm willing to trade off putting up with this annoying coworker, you know, that annoying coworker is no longer the reason I'm gonna leave my job, you know? And so I think it just, what what I really advocate for in the book is that a couple of things is that quitting is not bad and quitters should be seen for the bravery that they have. Um, But also that, you know, quitting is a choice, but so is not quitting. You know, and I think a lot of us, because we subscribe to these societal notions, you know, we find ourselves just living our lives with inertia you know, and not really making choices, you know, and so I think if you can view your choice to stay in something as a choice, you know, you're, you can feel that empowerment of like, okay, I'm not just bobbing up on the waves of an ocean that someone else created for me, you know, like I'm making this discernible choice, and, uh, and it matches my values, and I feel confident because of that, um, so, uh, but yeah, and so I think there's also, uh, I was just actually reading, um, apparently it's a TikTok, um, uh, like, uh, uh, what's the word, like meme, or it's apparently it's really popular on TikTok for people to like video them quitting their jobs and like really extravagant, out there, bridge burning ways. And uh, I was just reading about that um, before we started chatting. And I think another thing that comes to mind is, you know, uh, I talked to some happy quitters who, for them, they were happy for quitting because of the way they quit. You know, and and many people I talked to said, "I'm really glad I quit in a way that was professional, and it left open future doors if I wanted to reopen those doors." Uh, and then I talked to other people who said, "No, like I need to burn every bridge. I need to." I need to prevent any ability for myself to backtrack into something I know I don't want, (laughs) you know? And so they would take care of their future selves by definingly closing that door off to themselves and closing the opportunity to be a recidivist, you know, at any point. And so I think when you're talking about quitting jobs, you know, it it is a lot of understanding who you are, um, but also understanding that a choice we might've made five, 10 years ago, could have been right for us then, but we evolve, our values evolve, and it may not be the right choice for us.
0: I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership Will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, what very well said. Um, so let's transition now into talking about innovation, um, culture, mindset within organizations. And let me just say, too, if, if we tie this back into what we were just discussing, when we have better alignment between organizational values and goals um, with the individual values and goals of, of individuals in the organizations, it leads to better, you know, more creativity, better innovation um, and, and better products and services for customers. So, so these two elements do go hand in hand. Um, but that said, let's talk a little bit more about the, the culture and the mindset elements. How do we foster that, create that, foster that, sustain that within our organizations?
1: Yeah. I love that you asked how to foster and sustain, because I think, um, I think we can answer those two kind of separately. And I want to start with the sustain because, um, a lot of my work um, is in fostering creativity and collaboration, using different tools such as and methods like design thinking and also improv. Um, and but the sustained piece, I think, is is really really important. You know, you can you can foster collaboration and creativity at any minute of any day if you want, right? But then, how do you sustain that? I think a lot of organizations miss out on how important it is to you know, restructure your processes and your, you know, how are people evaluated? You know, are you looking at how your competencies and are you really rewarding people when they are demonstrating this collaborative creative, you know, skills that you want them to? You know, you can't, um, you know, I personally had the experience of, of working in a large organization and being given this kind of uh, sandbox in which to be innovative and creative and encouraged to do it. But then what happened at your end was I was assessed at the exact same normal, non-creative, non-innovative competencies, you know? So, you know, when you're in that situation, you start to think, well, what's in it for me? You know, like I I can take all these risks, but if I'm not going to be rewarded for taking those risks, why do it, you know? And so I'm a real big proponent of, you know, collaboration and creativity is not just a moment, you know, it has to be also embedded within your organization and how people are being evaluated and how they're being incentivized.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Build it into the structure of the organization, the mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you attract really great, creative, innovative people, and they find themselves in an organization that's flexible, and where they don't have the creativity beaten out of them, Mm
1: -hmm. then,
0: you know, that that can help. And, uh, but but you do need more formal uh, structures in place to make sure that people are held accountable uh, towards creativity and innovation and that you can, I mean, that's the best way to sustain things over time. So you don't get the flash in the pan kind of really great moment, just recognize they need to be doing the things daily um, to, to put themselves in the headspace, to be creative and innovative and that they're going to avoid doing the things that are going to get them into ruts or um, will cause them to be stuck in ruts rather, I, I should probably say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think organizations also need to really look at what is their policy even around failure, you know, like, how are you, how are you responding and reacting to what I call productive failures, you know, Um, I'm not someone who says like, all failures are amazing, celebrate every single kind of failure, you know, there's a mindset reason to kind of pursue that. But, you know, when you get down to like running a business or an organization, you know, yeah, like you want your failures to be productive. I think you need to um, see how you are viewing culturally and from a process and policy perspective. Like, how are we going to view, you know, uh, calculated risks? You know, and are we going to define risk and failure as good if we've learned more than we knew before? It's going to propel us to success faster. You know, and so I think there's a lot of these things that organizations currently aren't set up, you know, to really honor, uh, let alone reward. Um, and we're still kind of stuck in this very like factory mentality, you know, (laughs) we we see it a lot with like companies, you know, um, rushing to bring their workers back to the office because that's what they think is, is right. You know, and it's what they, what it used to be like, but honestly, I think a lot of it is just laziness. It's laziness and, you know, not really figuring out how to measure people's performance. And so then you think, oh, if I can see them, they're doing good work, which is inherently not true, you know? And so I think if we can create a little bit more, better ways of measuring performance and results in business, We'll probably find that there's better things to focus on than FaceTime in the
0: office. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, it's one of my pet peeves. I just cannot stand <laughs> um, people who focus on FaceTime and butts and seats. How is, is it? Is it is it important to to have connection with people? Yes, and so you know, but that doesn't necessarily have to happen in the physical office space. Um, lots of innovation and creativity can happen virtually, um, and so yeah, we do need to get creative and think more about long term about like virtual remote work, hybrid work, um, leveraging distributed workforce across the globe so we can really get the best talent um, and and finding ways to integrate them and fit them into our company culture where they're not going to be you know limited an opportunity just because they're remote while other people are in the office. So yeah. those are those are are adjacent really important topics to to discuss that fits with you know the systems elements the mm-hmm. the policies practices procedures those components that you were just describing mm-hmm. which are also equally you know as important as we're trying to think about innovation creativity mm-hmm. and just fostering a you know a growth mindset uh mm-hmm. you know as you talked about failure um if we approach it from a growth mindset standpoint of course not all not all um, failure is going to be good for us especially failure where we're not learning and we're not growing but if 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 we iterate quickly if we you know fall forward fail fast um, and and find ways to learn and grow from every setback then you know then that becomes a, a good launch point for creativity and innovation where people don't feel so nervous about trying new things because of of course, if we're trying new things, some things are going to stick and some things aren't, some things just aren't going to work out. Um, and so we just embrace that, create the room for people, um, to, to try to, to, um, to, uh, experiment and just iterate. Right.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And this idea, you know, I I, uh, talk about a lot of my improv work with corporations around, you know, um, you know, you mentioned something about like, you know, hiring for people that will fit your culture. You know, I I think what also needs to happen is an acknowledgement that an organization only has so much control over its culture, you know, like so much of it is organically driven by who you hire. you know the minute someone leaves your organization and the minute someone joins your organization, your culture has changed right and you can just do your best to make sure it's changed for the better right rather than for the worse because as we know like in large organizations and small, so much of culture is about the unwritten rules of behavior right so much of culture can depend on like who your manager is you know it can be totally different on who your leader is. And so I think it's like equal parts trying to have like some pro- policy and asserting and like a line in the sand of like, this is how we do work, right? Um, but then also acknowledging that individuals are the ones who create your culture, right? And, and really kind of honoring that and being okay if there are some shifts in your culture so long as they are they are good.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, Knorr, it has been a real pleasure. I'm just noting the time that our time has flown by. I want to be respectful of your time, let you get on to the other important things you have today. Um, But before we close, I just want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, um, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Um, Well, you can connect with me uh, on LinkedIn and also on Instagram. And please also uh, follow Mindhatch LLC on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. And gosh, final final thought, uh, so many thoughts. Um, I would say, uh, I would say, you know, don't begrudge your staff if they are quitting. Use that as an opportunity to reflect on yourself and your own organization, because it really is about you, not about them.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Kenora. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out to get connected, find out more about what Kenora can do for you, how she can help you and your organizations. Check out her book, uh, check out the many resources that she has available. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.